everyone and welcome back to From the Front Row. Today we have Emily Molden, a first year MHA student who is the student administrator for the Upstream Initiative. The Upstream Initiative is an interdisciplinary group of students who volunteer in the high-risk obstetrics clinic at University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. Here, they connect patients with food and transportation resources in their hometowns. I'm Rasika Mukamala, co-hosting today's episode with Radha Balamuri, and if you're new here, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they're relevant to anyone, both in and outside the field of public health. Welcome to the show, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. Can you start by telling us how you got involved with Upstream and what your position entails? Yeah, so I was first introduced to Upstream during orientation last semester when I started here at Iowa as a first year MHA. And after volunteering for a couple months, I decided I wanted to get more involved. So I applied for the administrator position. And basically what I do as the administrator is I schedule our board meetings and I also lead each board meeting which occurs every single month. So during these meetings we talk about some current projects that we are working on but we also discuss future goals for the organization. Some other things we do during our board meetings is inform our other board members about certain events going on that they can sign up for just to further educate themselves on social determinants of health and how we can address those things. But most importantly I also volunteer in the clinic and this is important because I have the opportunity to not only work with the patients firsthand, but I can also work with other volunteers just to get their direct perspective on their experience as a volunteer and how I can improve that experience for them. We sort of dived into what the Upstream Initiative is without really addressing anything about it, like the key ideas behind it. So could you give us a brief description of what the Upstream Initiative even is and how it got its name? I heard that this is a new name for it. It used to be called something else before. So could you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, so it was previously known as the Upstream Clinic, and then it was recently changed to the Upstream Initiative. And basically the reasoning behind the name is that our goal is to systematically understand and address social determinants of health before they have a downstream effect resulting in poor health outcomes. So basically we are trying to tackle the root problem before the health of these patients decline. So specifically in our clinic, we are screaming for food insecurity and lack of transportation. And we believe that, you know, addressing those things, providing resources for patients to have adequate food and transportation to their appointments will then in turn result in better health outcomes for them. Yeah, so for people who don't understand the whole upstream thing you were just talking about, there's a kind of, there's a story that we like to say in public health where someone say so there's a waterfall and there's someone saving for example, I think the story is kind of weird where there's like a bunch of babies that are like going down a waterfall and people yes. are saving the babies at the bottom of the waterfall, but then some people go up the hill and they're saving the babies before they even go down the waterfall or they're like preventing the person from putting the babies in the river to put them that go down the waterfall. It's a little bit crude, but I'm sure there's a better story, but I remember the baby version. Yeah, so we <laughs> use that same exact example when we are recruiting nice. our <laughs> volunteers. The baby um, version? Yes, yeah. the baby version. So basically it starts at the bottom of the stream where babies or individuals are about to, you know, fall off the cliff, like into a, you know, a steady stream of water. But the goal is to go upstream and prevent the babies from even going into the water. So it's the same thing, you know, same concept. 
we are providing you know, resources for food or even, you know, food supply directly at their appointment that they can take home with them before they even become hungry. No, that's super great. And I think one thing that's interesting is that it impacts so many patients and it's student run. So can you tell us a little bit more about how long the Upstream Initiative has been in operation and how it's evolved and changed over the years? So Upstream started in January of 2018. So we just hit five years as an organization. (laughs) And we actually have grown a lot. I am newer to my position, but just from what I've seen recently, they started out, you know, with screening for food insecurity, but now we have the opportunity to work on many more projects and just try to find other resources to help these patients. So for example, we had a diaper and period product bank where we took donations for diapers and period products and donated them to local you know, charities and provided them to our patients at the clinic. Um, so that is a small expansion that we have done. In addition to that, we are working on a medical legal partnership right now. So we are gonna conduct a needs assessment to see how many patients in our high-risk clinic are in need of legal services. And then we're also working on a disparities grant, and this disparities grant addresses, you know, quite a few different things, but we're looking at innovative ways to connect patients with resources such as WIC and SNAP. In addition to that, we use this grant to provide on-site food sources that these patients can take home with them. But we're also talking with patients directly to discuss barriers that they have faced with signing up for WIC and SNAP and then get direct perspective on like how we can improve the process for them. And there's really no better way to do that than, you know, get their perspective and their opinion on how the process could have been easier for someone who is actually trying to access these services. So it has really grown a lot. And those are just a few things that we are working on in addition to our initial screening of food insecurity and transportation issues. You guys sure like to stay busy. Yes, we do. (laughs) There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on and we have no plans to stop anytime soon. I love that. What about the initial screening? You told us a lot about your other initiatives. Could you share a little more about that, that screening you were talking about and how that works? Yeah, so when the patient comes into the clinic, every single patient gets screened every single time. Um, Of course, they have the right to deny the screening if they wish. So we do an initial screening, which means the patient is new to the clinic. They have never been screened before. And we do a subsequent screening, meaning that all of our return patients are screened again because food insecurity is not just a one-time thing. You can become food insecure over time. You can come out of food insecure and then go back into it. So that's why we screen all of our patients, no matter how many times they've been to the clinic. And basically just asks a series of questions on whether or not they feel they have access to food or adequate food. We're not just talking about like fast food, but we want to make sure that um, they have access to nutritious meals as well. So if they answer yes to any of those questions, then we would consider them food insecure. And then that's when we would go into the room with the patient and educate them on resources within the specific county that they live in. Can you talk a bit more about the WIC and the SNAP resources that you can refer patients to and how that process works? I know WIC and SNAP are a bit complicated, so does Upstream refer them or is it the hospital or other people within the realm? So we give them information based on the specific county that they live in. And on the information sheet, it shows them that the office that they can go to within their hometown to sign up. Um, so it'll give them a direct address, you know, of the facility that they can go to and sign up for WIC and STAT benefits. 
And so that's kind of how we provide these resources for the patient is basically showing them, you know, how they can do it because it does vary from county to county. You can't know if they're SNAP eligible or WIG eligible, right? Because you don't ask those financial questions. Right. We don't go into any specific, you know, finances with them. Mm -hmm. So we basically, you know, give them a location for them to go to in their hometown where then they can go and, you know, figure out whether or not they're eligible to sign up or not. And I think that's super helpful because it helps with patient autonomy too, especially if maybe during this appointment, they may just need a little boost. They're in between jobs or something, but then at the next one, they're full on in a job or something else. So it gives a lot of autonomy and still provides them with the resources, but it also provides them with options if they need it, which I think is super helpful. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when we give them these resources that have these specific addresses on them, you know, they can share that with family members or friends that they also believe are in, you know, this have the same need or need the same resources as well. So what proportion of patients do you think you refer to these services? Do you think, do you see a large need for these services? Like, you know, you screen people for a reason and it seems like you're doing a lot of good work, but do you have any like numbers you could share with us? Yeah, so there definitely is a very large need, especially, you know, for food insecure patients. During our third quarter of 2022, we screened um, 227 patients. So that was just one quarter alone in 2022. And of those 227, we had 58 new screens. So 58 new patients come in and get screened and over 53% of them screened positive for food insecurity. So all 53% of those patients were educated on the resources that were available to them in their county. We have a much smaller percentage of subsequent screens positive, but you know, our, that is our hope, is that when they come back, they are using these resources and no, have to, no longer have to classify as food insecure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really valuable. Yeah, that's awesome that you're able to collect the data and continue to improve and change things based on how patients are responding. So with that, what impact do you think the Upstream Initiative has on the local patient population and beyond? Can you tell us a little bit about maybe where patients come from? Are they mostly from the state of Iowa? Do you have that information? Yeah, so we do have patients come from all over. Of course, a large population we serve are from the state of Iowa, but Illinois is very close. You know, we serve patients from Illinois as well. So I do think that the Upstream Initiative impacts, you know, our local communities, but we also impact um, surrounding communities. I also think it's important to consider the impact that we have on the direct patients that we are serving, but a lot of these patients are pregnant as well. So we have to think about the, you know, how we're impacting, you know, the babies that they're growing inside of them, because if they're food insecure, you know, we have to think about how that affects the baby as well. So, you know, we're impacting our local communities, we're impacting our surrounding communities, but we're also impacting, you know, our future communities of what is to come. Speaking of the future, What do you want? Yeah, what are your, good segue, right? Yes. Speaking of the future, what is your hope for the future for the Upstream Initiative? Like, where do you want this organization to go? Or not really organization, but initiative to go. Yeah. So we have already grown so much. And my hope is that, you know, it can only continue to grow. So right now we are at the high risk OB clinic at the main hospital. Um, But we also have gynecology services at the North Dodge Clinic. We have gynecology services at the Iowa River Landing. So I would love to be able to expand to those clinics as well, just to see if we can reach a larger patient population. 
Um, but even that, if we were able to expand, you know, outside of maybe just gynecology and look into other services as well, that may have, you know, a large patient population that are food insecure or struggle with transportation to their appointments. How about like collaborations? Have you thought about collaborating with other organizations on campus? Oh, absolutely. And you know, right now we are working on that medical legal partnership. So we are working, you know, like with the law students on that. And so definitely um, expanding the collaborations that we're having, the organizations that we are working with, I think that that is a great way to continue to, you know, grow our initiative Mm -hmm. um, and to, you know, find other resources that we can use to help these patients. Yeah. So how can students get involved either volunteering or on the board for this initiative and how can they feel like they're making an impact just like you are? So we do two orientation sessions each semester. We actually just finished up our orientation for the spring semester, but we will hold two more in the fall. We usually send those out via email, but you know, when you go through your orientation and stuff, a lot of times, you know, people are presenting on it. So keep your eye out for that. You can also email me directly and I'd be happy to help you get started as a volunteer. I would highly recommend volunteering for this organization. It has had a great impact on me thus far and If you are interested in even being a board member, we will do elections every single fall for new board members. So if you become a volunteer and you decide you want to get more involved, absolutely apply for one of those positions. It'll give you the opportunity to attend the monthly board meetings and learn about the additional projects that we're working on. Yeah, we can link the contact information for the organization in the podcast description for anyone interested. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You can also email volunteers.upstream at gmail.com if you have comments. We'll also link that. The audio thing doesn't work, man. I need to see it somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So we have one more question that we like to add. This was pretty quick. So we, we really ran through all the questions that we wanted to ask you. So we have one more that we'd like to ask all of our guests. And it's something you can answer in any way you want. It's basically, what is something that you thought you knew that you were later wrong about? It could be with the initiative, it could be as an MHA student, it could be as a human being living on planet Earth in 2023. So yeah, what do you, what's your answer to that question? I think related to the initiative directly, I thought a lot of patients who were food insecure or had lack of transportation, you know, were more familiar with the resources available than they actually are. Um, I have found that a lot of patients actually are familiar with SNAP and WIC, but then they are not familiar with like the free dietitian services that Hy-Vee offers. Like that is something that, you know, I just learned about. I had no idea about that before. Um, In addition to the non-emergency medical transportation service offered through patients with Medicaid. So I think it's, I had this idea that these resources are well-known people are aware of them, but that's actually not true, especially for the smaller resources that are not used as much, such as the dietitian services or even like the food pantries around town. So going into this organization as a volunteer, you know, I was like, yep, I'll provide them with the resources and show them the address. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's like, well, I had no idea that we had a local food pantry or I had no idea that I could schedule a ride, you know, and have my insurance cover it. So that was like a really big learning curve for me that I had no idea was a a real problem. Yeah, I don't know about some of those things. Is there a place people could look this up? 
Or so, do they have to come to the upstream initiative to find out about it? So that's the thing is, you know, most of these patients do find out about these smaller resources when they come to the upstream initiative. Um, but within the grant that we are working on for one of our additional projects, we are looking for a more innovative way to, you know, spread this information and educate people without actually having to like sit down in a doctor's office and, you know, talk with one of us volunteers. But I think that is actually a great goal for the future to figure out other ways that we can, you know, spread the word and get those things out there because WIC and SNAP are often talked about, but these other small resources can be so beneficial and they're not talked about as much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on today. And if anyone has any questions about the Upstream Initiative, I'm sure you'd be happy to take any questions or comments or anything. Yes, please feel free to reach out to me and I'm happy to discuss this topic further. And that's it for our episode this week. Big thanks to Emily Molden for joining us today. This episode was hosted and written by Rasika Mukamala and Radha Vela-Murray and edited and produced by Anya Morozov. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook, and our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues, friends, or anyone interested in public health. Have a suggestion for our team? You can reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Until next week, stay healthy, stay curious, and take care.